0: Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Jacob Allbrock, Tommy Castor. This is Sports Daily on Wichita's number one sports radio, 97.5 and 1240 KFH. He's got all the insight on what you want to know, and maybe some of what you don't want to know. Here's K-State insider Tim Fitzgerald.
1: All right, welcome in, everybody. Uh ksu chance there to sandstorm now as we welcome in tim fitzgerald the iowa state fans taking over the rowdy moniker tim there in ames and they get the win they get the uh the farmageddon blow that was a game tim fitzgerald go powercat.com that i think despite a loss i don't at least don't feel any different about k-state and i kind of Uh, feel even a little better? I I don't know. Losses are never good. But, man, I thought they showed themselves really nicely.
2: Well, they didn't play particularly well. That's what's interesting about it. I I, I mean, I've said this from the moment the game was over. I've never seen a game uh, in which a good team, certainly, um, had their three post players combined for zero rebounds over the entire contest. I, I can't even wrap my mind how that's possible. I feel like one of us three could walk out on the court and accidentally get a rebound in, like, 10 minutes of standing around. Um, so it, it's just kind of remarkable to me that that happened. They didn't defend particularly well in the post. Keontae Johnson had some offensive issues, had some turnover issues that led to easy Iowa State points. Um, you add all that up on a hostile environment against a really good team, and you lose by four? I, I, you're right, buddy. I, I, I kind of come away from that like, man, this team can play really so-so and still compete with really good teams uh, on their home court. Um, I actually do walk away from that feeling pretty good and also walk away from that realizing that when this team gets David Gasson back at, in the post, they, they could find another gear. And at this point, I kind of want him just to sit down until he's 100% ready. Uh, because I, I feel like they played him the other night, and maybe he wasn't quite ready. Um, you know, I, I think his importance is only going to matter at the end of the season. At this point,
3: yeah, I think that one of my big takeaways fits from the Iowa State game was even though they they did play so so at times, and um, you know Iowa State it seemed like kind of dictated the pace and tempo of the game for quite a bit of it. I never really felt like the Wildcats were going to be uncomposed like they looked composed the entire time. And I, I remember that that possession where late in the game, the Cyclones could have put it away, like just completely put the game away. And Marquise Noel stepped up and hit a big three uh, and just kind of had that assassin mentality. And they, they never this team never really seems rattled. Uh, and of course, that's a testament to, to Jerome Tang. But are you noticing that too? Are you noticing that even on even in a game when they may not have their best stuff, they've always got that confidence and composure.
2: I, I can't explain how this coaching staff has taken all these different parts—two left over from the previous staff, some from JUCO, transfer portal—and um, and pieced it into what they've got right now. It doesn't make sense to me. It, it doesn't seem possible that they could have a team that has such an identity that has an understanding of who it is so well without have, they haven't played together until this season. They're what 20 games into their, their journey together. It's it's absolutely incredible. They're, they're well-defined. They're well cut out in late game situations for the most part. That's why they're four 0 in overtime game. I was, I was thinking they might get that one to overtime and, and kind of rekindle themselves and get going. But, um, you're right, Tommy. They just they seem to know who they are and know what they need to do. And, you know, part of that is Marquise Noel has just turned into an incredible basketball player at times. Yeah, does he make you know, some bad decisions on occasion? You know, he does because he's a gambler. Um, and as Jerome Tang said, you've just kind of got to live with that because everything else comes with it.
1: I'm going to go off the hip here, Tim. So I need just your, like, instant reaction to this question. Marquise Noel is your blank favorite pay, player for K State all time.
2: Uh, you know I don't even think that that fits. I think he needs to. I want to see him a little bit more. I mean, look, I'm I'm a little bit more old school. I'm Mitch Richmond, who by the way, Keontae Johnson reminds me of. Um, you know, Jacob Pullum, Michael Beasley, but Marquise certainly is a, a very exciting player. Um, and it's. He's really entertaining. He, I, I just, I can't even, again, I can't wrap my mind around how much he's improved in one year and with this coaching staff. It's, it's been a godsend for him, you know, not just for, you know, K-State basketball as these coaches showed up, but for Marquise Noel in particular, they have completely redefined him as a player and honestly as a person.
3: Well, in a game where, uh, you know, like you mentioned, Keontae Johnson had a little bit of an off night. Marquise Noel, yeah, had 23 points, but shot 6 of 17 from the field. Um, it was another guy that, that stepped up once again. That's Cam Carter with 15 points, perfect from the field, 5 of 5. What What'd you take away from Carter in this game and just overall what he brings to the team?
2: You know, you got to keep in mind he's a young player. He's still kind of discovering who he is as a player. Um He came out and really kept him in the fight early on. Uh, He had a horrible decision later in the game. He decided to go rogue and go basically one-on-four and, you know, ran over a guy that was waiting for him starting last week. Um, So, you know, that's part of the learning process with young players. But Cam, there's something, like, casual really good about Cam's game. And, you know when they were going through the recruiting process, getting guys to the transfer portal, trying to figure out who was going to form their roster. You know, they found some guys like Cam Carter and Desi Stills that I think a lot of us are like, okay, those are nice pieces, but really are they going to be that big of contributors? And we're finding out exactly what the coaching staff saw in these guys. They saw an upside that hadn't been even touched by their previous opportunities. So, uh, you know, Casey is going to have Cam for a couple more years and, He's a pretty darn good uh, player, just kind of goes about his business and takes care of it.
1: How do you think – that's a good point on him, Tim. Tim Fitzgerald, gopowercat.com. How how does this roster blend, do you think, with next year's, which is a top-20 recruiting class and, you know, very likely not done, and I'm sure they'll have some transfers. You know, this year's been so magical for K-State. How much of it will continue to next year, or how much will next year be sort of a restart? for Jerome Tang, do you think?
2: Yeah, it's a really good question because, you know, as Coach Snyder always said, you can bring back almost all the same players, (coughs) Excuse me, but you've got to reinvent your locker room every year. I mean, it's a different dynamic when you bring new players in. And this dynamic has been kind of magical, but I don't know if it is just because of this group or if there's something more going on here, but there's certainly... uh, bringing in a lot of young talent and i think that's really what the difference will be next year for all we talk about them putting together a new roster they did it with old dudes i mean you got marquise noel who's been around you got Keontae johnson yeah he sat out a couple years but i mean there's there's no doubting that he's played a lot of college basketball and knows his way around the court um so they've they've been able to get out there with some experience and and Throw it all together into what looks like an experienced team, and next year they'll be much younger. You know they'll, they'll have Gerald Colbert in the post, who's a more traditional post, so that should help them in some defensive situations. But um, I, I'm I'm intrigued because it doesn't feel like a fly-by-night chance happening here. It it feels like uh, Jerome Tang and this staff just kind of know how to put together a team, and they're doing it, and we're all we're all getting to witness it.
3: How about the Big 12? Uh, I, I, we sound like a broken record, uh, and it, we talk about it all the time, but uh, nearly halfway through the conference season, six teams out of the 10 in the Big 12 are within one game of first place. And um, it, it's, it's a log jam. It's a gauntlet. It's all those things that everybody's been talking about for a long time. But w- where do you stand, and, and how do you feel about just the overall state of these six teams and, and kind of where they're lined out right now?
2: That's incredible. I mean, we're not even to the midway point, I don't believe, in the conference. And you got more than half of the conference within striking distance of, of winning the regular season title. It's, it's you know, and that, that could also be a sign of a weak conference where nobody can take control, but this is just the opposite. This is a conference where everyone sits around and beats the snot out of each other, and, um, you know, you it's like a slap contest. Who can take the slap and, and, and hand it out the next time? And it's just uh, amazing to watch these teams go at each other. I'm I'm as fired up for Saturday's Big 12 SEC Challenge as I've ever been because, first of all, I hate the series. I think it's all been for the benefit of the SEC for the most part. But uh, I, I just want to see some other teams and I want to see this conference measure up. I think it's really important for this conference to go out and kind of dominate this, this series this year. They've, they've let the SEC kind of creep into the competitive nature, and maybe it's because the teams are relaxing because they get to go out of the conference. I don't know, but I think dominating the SEC this year would be a really good statement and kind of let the world know that, hey, yeah, they're beating up on each other in conference play, but that does not a sign of weakness. It's a sign of uh, how good this conference is. And, uh, then you know we can get back to business. You know next Tuesday with regular season games after beating up on the SEC. I'm fired up for it.
1: Yeah, I, I am too. I mean, it's that and it's the and I think the SEC's you know gotten far deeper in in recent years than it had been for so many. But then after that game, it's at Kansas, right? Th- this is an yeah. interesting stretch, I think, for K State. You had and let we'll we'll just set aside Florida for a second. Um, you had you go to Iowa State, then you got to go to Kansas, and then you get to host two, but it's against Texas and TCU. If those are the other teams in the mix, right, and we think that they are, I, I mean, I can't imagine a more critical stretch here. Baylor's the other team, but you don't get them for a while. Like, it could... It could be really advantageous for Kansas State's chances of winning a Big 12, but it could also go sideways on any one of these teams real, real quick, like it sort of feels like it has on Kansas, even though we all know they'll be there in the end. But this is a pretty dangerous spot of the schedule, too, as exciting as
2: things have been. No, you're right. I mean, it's it's a a really dangerous part of the schedule. You know, and and we should probably send a shout-out to the Big 12 schedule makers that, you know, took the the best uh, rivalry in this conference in basketball, and put the games basically two weeks apart. It feels that way. I mean, it's, you you play Tuesday, and then you get a couple other games, uh, and then you play the non conference game, and then oh yeah, you get to play rivalry again. It's just it's crazy, and that might work the K State's advantage if KU can't collect itself against Kentucky. They'll be on a uh, you know, an unprecedented skit under Bill Self. So, um, it's, it's just unbelievable. It, you, you look at that stretch of games, you think, you got to win two out of the three, and I'm not sure how you do it. But, again, this team's pretty well defined. We'll see if they can find a way to do it. And they, they've done a really good job of learning from losses. It, it's like they've been a little bit better in every loss and coming out of them uh, – they've gotten better and we'll see if that translates to what happened in names.
3: What do we know about Florida? Uh, They're, they're five and three in conference play. Uh, Of course, we know the storyline of uh, Keontae Johnson and his former team and, you know, being able to, to face off against them this season, but um, not ranked right now, kind of middle of the pack in the conference. Although they are only a couple of games back from uh, Alabama who, you know, stands in first place in the conference. What do we know about them?
2: Honestly, I don't know a whole bunch. I know it's a different coaching staff. I'm not even sure how many teammates Keontae has left on this team. It's been a couple of years, keep in mind. And, geez, roster turnovers now are just unbelievable. Uh, but it will be strange for him to be across from the uniform, you know, that he started in. And it's, it's not like he completely chose to leave and go somewhere else um, because of his health issues. He simply wasn't cleared to play again. If they'd cleared him to play, he'd be he'd be playing for Florida in this game. It's it's really weird how it it all worked out. Um, how the schedule has worked out, how the coach who recruited him to Florida, Coaches Radford and Radford came in for a game on a schedule that they inherited. Um, so it's it's really been kind of uh, one of those situations where you kinda of look back now and you think, you know, yeah, they belong to K State. He's getting to play his former coaches, his former team and and uh I'm sure he'll be very focused for Saturday, but then again, a lot of water's under the bridge since everything went down in, in Gainesville and that horrific incident. And um, You know, I, I think it's just a big game for Keontae setting personal stuff aside to kind of get himself back on track offensively.
1: All right, Tim Fitzgerald, another uh, moment in your life that we're following along with is your fight again now um, with cancer. Update us what can we do to help? And, and obviously, the platform that you need and deserve to, to spread your message with
2: everything. Well, again, you know, I've, I've been doing this since day one of, of my diagnosis with prostate cancer at age 53, surgery at age 54, um, remission 13 months ago, out of remission earlier this month, and, and now only am I not out of remission my scans show that it had spread through my lymphatic system um, it's a very aggressive version of cancer um, and i'm thankful we caught it again but we got some work to do no doubt about it um, got to gather ourselves blew a half-time lead um, but it's time to to get control of things again but guys if you're 45 or older you know go to your doctor say hey can I get a Psa score that's want a baseline score to know where i should be they might push back because they, you know, some doctors think age 55, others think age 50 is the earliest you should do it. I, I and other people now believe it's 45 just to get that baseline score. Um, it is the best way to, you know, catch prostate cancer early. And if you catch it early, you're going to win. Um, and keep in mind, I was, I caught it at age 53 when some doctors don't think you should even get tested until 55. And if those doctors had had their way, I would not be doing this segment. I would literally be dead because my cancer was caught by the grace of God and chance PSA testing. Um, and it, it saved me. It literally saved me. So I wouldn't be into this renewed fight if not for PSA testing.
1: Tim, I hate a lot of things about social media. One thing I don't hate is how you can hopefully feel the support from literally coast to coast oh. on everything, Uh you you know that if there's anything you need in this from us, you always have that and we're, we're praying for you, buddy. I I hate this and, and
2: we'll we'll be there with you. Um, You know, a lot of you, a lot of people just kind of fall back on saying thoughts and prayers. I've caught myself doing the same thing. My new habit is when I, when I type it, I literally pause to say that prayer. Um, And if you're not a, person if you don't believe in you know those things just send me some good vibes I'll take it all Um, it it works one thing I've learned from this journey guys cancer hates joy and I'm trying to live a joyful life despite uh, what cancer is doing to my body Um, it's it's a mental battle as much as a physical one but just keep smiling keep going forward um, win the battle in front of you, and um, you're going to win the greater war.
1: Fitz, hang in there. Hopefully, K State gives you some of that joy as it continues a magical basketball season following a magical football season, and we just keep rolling right along with with those games and jokes aplenty. And you know, we we appreciate you very much.
2: And hang in there. Well, I know one thing: if I die before Kansas State wins the national basketball championship. I'm haunting all of you. I'm going to be hanging around your house. <laughs> my fault. Doing weird stuff. It's going to be everyone's fault. I'm going to be one bitter ghost, and I'm going to take it out on everyone.
1: The ghost of Fitz at Bramlage Coliseum. Oh, I love Lord. it. That was yep. – well, would you haunt or would you help, though? Like, would you help the team? Like, like if, if K-State had some miraculous shot at the end, and we could say, oh, that's oh, the ghost absolutely. of Fitz. Play in there.
2: Okay. Oh, ab- absolutely. Absolutely. But I'll also, you know, that guy with that mid-court seat that makes a lot of money and has that big old beer in his hand, I'm going to spill that once in a while. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) just
1: mess with people a little bit. Uh, All right, Fitz. Well, uh, Life of Fitz on Twitter, you can follow along with the K-State coverage and and Fitz's medical journey as well. GoPowerCat.com for all the great content. I assume right now it's hard and heavy for uh, basketball, but you guys probably have some football recruiting stuff. What's up at the site right now?
2: Yeah, in fact, uh, that's a good question. Uh, I think we do have some football recruiting dropping at eleven, um, but yeah, we've got um, mostly basketball right now. And honestly, it's kind of a, a light day in coverage because you know come off a Tuesday game with another Saturday game, but uh, we will get it ramped up here for the weekend. Uh, cats and Gators. I'm kind of excited about it. It's not the same teams that K State usually plays in. This it's kind of fun. Yeah,
1: it'll be and the, and there's the Keontae thing. He'll he'll have his hair on fire, I'm sure. All right. There goes Fitz. We appreciate these visits. Let's do it again next week.
2: You bet, boy. Thank you.
1: Tim Fitzgerald, go PowerCat.com. Check out the work there if you're a K-State fan. Hey, NBA fans, even a wager that misses can still be a slam dunk with BetMGM, an authorized gaming partner of the NBA. Place an NBA one-game parlay wager with four legs or more. If you miss one leg, you'll receive up to $25 back. Just opt in to this promotion on BetMGM's app or website. With one-game parlay, you can make selections within a single NBA game from tons of bet types, including team and player props. So go ahead and take your favorite NBA star to score big, the home team to cover, and the over in points. Opt into the promotion, then place an NBA one-game parlay wager of four legs or more and you'll get up to 25 bucks back if you miss just one of those legs visit betmgm.com for terms and conditions 21 years of age or older to wager physically present in Kansas to bet all promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as is non-withdrawable. Free bets or site credit. Free bets expire in seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Tommy, I do that bet all the time. I use this one-game parlay with the insurance on it. Uh, I get my BetQL app, which is another one of our partners here on the Odyssey Family Networks and I make that bet and it hits uh not not all the time but sometimes so check it out betmgm.com and on the betmgm app we'll come back more sports daily coming at you right after this
0: your phone call is welcome 869-1240 sports daily on 975 and 1240 jfh
3: You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor.
0: You are a fighter, and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Imports, Chicago, Illinois. Listen to
1: every MLB
0: game live. The deep left center field. that is high. It is far. that is gone.
1: Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. Everybody, Sports Daily on KFH. Jacob Albrock, Tommy castor here with you on this Thursday. Jad Chambers producing. If you missed anything with our conversation with Tim Fitzgerald or our betting insider Chelsea Messenger, you can find that at KFHRadio.com. Tommy, the NFL coaching uh, rumors, carousel interviews, whatever, continues to be uh, highly entertaining. And a couple of things. One, Sean Payton may not get that job this upcoming year, which the longer this goes, the less I think it surprises us. If the price tag's really $20 million, and then you also have to give up draft picks, and some of the rumors on what those draft picks might be are just outrageous to me. A couple of firsts, a couple of seconds. No chance that I do that. If I'm any team, I don't care which team it is, when you could get him for free, what, next year? No, no thank you. And the two most obvious and... Likely landing spots anyway. Very, very, may very well make coaching changes next year anyway in Dallas and, and LA with the Chargers. So he's out. Indianapolis uh, apparently, <laughs> Jim Irsay wants Jeff Saturday back, which is uh, ugh, okay. <sighs> and Nathaniel Hackett uh, reportedly hired as the offensive coordinator <laughs> for the New York Jets, which it it stuns me to say that is the you know probably the one of these things that makes the most sense because he has had some success in that position and that's probably a team that will be more inclined to run the style of offense he wants to run far more so anyway than russell wilson was capable
3: uh here are some stats for you with nathaniel hackett as an offensive coordinator we're not even talking about the disastrous run that he had as the head coach for the broncos uh this season when he was an offensive coordinator and he, pl- he called plays in Buffalo and Jacksonville, different places like that. He was not a good offensive coordinator. He ranked near the bottom of the NFL from 2013 to 2018. In fact, in 2018, his offense had the fewest offensive touchdowns per game when he was the offensive coordinator. I think he was in Jacksonville that year, I want to say. Anyway, when he went to Green Bay and he got Aaron Rodgers... Then all of a sudden, he became this widely revered offensive coordinator in 2020. He had the best offense in the league with Aaron Rodgers. Top 10 offense uh, a year ago in 2021 with Aaron Rodgers. It wasn't until he got Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay that he became this big-time offensive coordinator. And so, as of right now, Nathaniel Hackett is there with the Jets. Just got hired today, but he doesn't have Aaron Rodgers. And so, it makes me wonder... Are the Jets trying to bring in Aaron Rodgers? And that was something that has been speculated for the last at least several days that Woody Johnson wouldn't be opposed to trading for Aaron Rodgers, bringing him to the Jets. Maybe that would reunite Nathaniel Hackett and yep. Aaron Rodgers. I don't know, but regardless, Nathaniel Hackett has not been a good offensive coordinator without without Aaron Rodgers.
1: Right, and he had the he had the Jacksonville year, right, where they they made their run to the AFC Championship and Blake Bortles had some success and all that. I I don't know. I think he's probably. I, I think it will probably be okay for him as an offensive coordinator there. Um, he, he, Aaron Rodgers to the Jets does make some sense, right? But that's already failed once they tried to do that. They haven't have some really good receivers and a blossoming line. Uh, so yeah, I mean, if I was if I was Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady, by the way, the Jets would be on my list
3: for. Can you imagine? Sure. Can you imagine Aaron Rodgers interacting with the New York press? Uh, I mean, like it, it's right now. I mean, even he, you know, he's, in I think a, he'd you know, love it. I think he'd I mean, love like, it. He would, it would be, you know, front page news. Yeah, every he feeds on that single stuff.
1: day. He loves it. Yeah. He would feed on it. it. It makes some sense. That's one to watch Jeff Saturday. Um, look, I didn't have any problem with making him the interim. I would have a problem now. He, he had eight games to prove it, and they were awful with Jeff Saturday. Like, how – at now, now you do have a problem of justification if you're Jim say, at that point. That's when you get to that point where you just think you're smarter than everybody else, which he may or may not think that already anyway. But it, it's one of – like, you think you're smarter than everybody else, but everybody else can see that you're not. And so it's like, uh, you know, how does that inspire any confidence – in a locker room, organizationally, and I like Jeff Saturday, and I think you know that that be his thing, right? Is is inspiring confidence, but it didn't work, and I don't know what you could possibly do now to think it would work outside of bringing Jeff Saturday in and then some really high end assistants that take over those more typical duties, and he's really just like a like a Ted Lasso, right? Like, well, I don't really know anything <laughs> about coaching this, but. I can get people motivated in the locker room. I, it all, That's sort of what it feels like to me. Not that, I, I mean, I, obviously Jeff Saturday is a borderline, you know, Hall of Fame offensive lineman and all those things, but still.
3: If Jeff Saturday ends up as the permanent head coach of the Colts, um, I'm not sure it's going to, I'm not sure that the games are going to have happy endings like each episode of Ted Lasso typically has happy endings. That would be the one main difference that I would think. But what what is what is so uh, fascinating about this search is, according to sources, Jeff Saturday is only Jim Irsay's choice. Like, the front office with Indianapolis, they want other candidates, and I don't blame them. They want a coach that has the credentials and a coach that has, you know, the, the pedigree to be able to come in and turn this franchise around. And uh, this is the issue when you've got uh, owners that think that they know better than the the rest of the people in the organization. Um and what, what is so surprising about this in my mind is that this is even something that I don't think Jerry Jones would do. Uh and, and Jim Ursay is like jumping in and he, he's he's always been involved to an extent, but hand Jeff Saturday it was as the interim it was one thing. But as the permanent head coach it's something else. And if I'm honestly if I'm Jeff Saturday I'm running away from this. I'm going back to TV because no, he all do this that. does But all this if I'm Jeff Saturday, all this has the potential to do in my mind is completely ruin my reputation because I don't see him having any sort of uh path to success as the permanent head coach with the Colts.
1: Well, I mean if you're Jeff Saturday now, you're sort of all in, right? And if you get to be the head coach, you get a contract that will pay you probably far more than he'll ever make in TV if he's on TV for 15 years. So, you know, like, you take your shot. If you're Saturday, you, you've you already dove in to the deep end on this. Like, if you can get it, take it. Because you're already in jeopardy of, like, what what happens to him as an analyst now. And I think he knew that risk. I think he knew that risk. Um but you know his momentum as an analyst was already probably at its peak but it was one this... thing
3: it was one thing when they brought him in as the interim and he there was this narrative that and I don't think it was wrong, but this narrative of, you know, Saturday saying, hey, I'm, I'm coming in to help the franchise I love and they're in a bad place and I'm going to do everything I can to, to help them out. And, you know, I may not be good at this. And if I'm not good at it, then, you know, at least I stepped in to help them out. And now it's, hey, I want to be the, the full time permanent head coach. And I don't really I've not shown anything that would tell anybody that I, I know what I'm doing or I'm capable of leading an NFL franchise. I think it ruins his reputation long term. Also, by the way. Sources are saying that if Saturday gets the job, that he would pick his own staff. And so uh, this is not potentially something where they're going to bring him in and surround him with other top-level assistants that can really help him out. Now he would he would get a chance to pick the people that he wants with him.
1: Yeah, I, and I, I mean, I wouldn't want – if you're going to put him in place, don't put him in place and then not let him have his own people. Now, you'd have to sign off on who those people are probably. Um, but it, it's a weird—I still don't think he's going to get it. I still don't think he's going to get it, but he got a second interview, which is certainly something. And then there's the Sean Payton element of these things, too, Tommy. So Jim Har- it all started with Jim Harbaugh and Sean Payton, right? Like, those are the two guys. I thought for sure Jim Harbaugh was coming to the NFL this year. Didn't happen. Uh, Sean Payton, I've always been just a little bit— You know, I thought if, like, Dallas opened up, he'd go to Dallas, right? If the Chargers opened up, he'd go to the Chargers. Outside of those, I don't know. And then you start to hear about the price tag. And I honestly, like, I can't see a place where that price tag makes any sense whatsoever. Like, even as a desperate Cowboys fan, you're telling me you're going to have to give up multiple first-round picks for Sean Payton? No thanks, I'll wait a year. Like, no. Like, come on, like that, that's, that's a, that's a ridiculous ask. Think about what the Jets did with their first round picks this year. Okay. Garrett Wilson and sauce Gardner. And then they took Brees Hall in the second, those three guys through one draft changed their franchise for the next 10 years. Sean Payton, if he was their head coach, probably didn't accomplish the same thing, right? Like it's just, I, I think coaching in the NFL is so critical and important but it's never more important than the players you have on the field. And if you've already got to pay them that much money, and look, the money they pay a coach, we don't really care about, right? That's not, that doesn't matter. But the picks do matter, especially when that part of the price tag goes away one year later. No chance. I'm not bringing Sean Payton in because all the places that might be willing to do that weren't ready to win anyway, and it doesn't make any sense. Like if you're Denver, you know that you need more than a head coach to change for that team to win a Super Bowl and the best way to do that is to to you know through the draft which they don't have a lot of picks anyway because of the Russell Wilson deal but no what do you do if you're Denver you go find the coach that you think can get the best out of Russell Wilson just like Jacksonville what do they do go find the coach that can get the most out of Trevor Lawrence right like you're you're stuck with Russell Wilson you might as well go get the coach that will get the most out of Russell Wilson because that's what you're going to have to roll with
3: Yeah, although I'm not sure that that coach exists for Denver, and I think that the best choice was probably Sean Payton. However, the rest of the, the situation around it never made any sense. I mean, I do think that you bring in Sean Payton, and he can probably reel in Russell Wilson a little bit, and he would probably have a little bit more success. But the price tag and giving up the draft capital, when they've already given up all the draft capital, for Russell Wilson they had a first rounder in the Bradley Chubb trade that they would have been able to spend on him but that's not worth it and and I I think that to your point for Sean Payton why would you want to go to a franchise that is giving away first round picks and and that's the compensation right for the Saints and he doesn't have any say in that I get it but for Sean Payton like why would I want to go to a franchise that's got to basically mortgage mortgage its future to get me when they could just wait a year and not have to do that. So I never really understood that the Denver conversations going on and, and especially, you know, Sean Payton's got a pretty cushy job in TV and he's on a, a pregame show that gets a lot of viewers. He He gets to stay front and center for another year. I would just collect that TV money, do it for another year and then it wouldn't shock me if one, if not, you know, both of the openings that he would probably be most attracted to would be open next season.
1: Well, it, th- that's the thing too. It's is you've got to look at Sean Payton's into this. If if you're Sean Payton, what is the best option for you? Is it to take that bag now, that twenty five million dollar a year bag, and go to Denver, or yeah. is it to go to Fox, make probably really good money? And just wait for the Chargers or the Cowboys to open up. And I think that clearly is a better It's got to be that. It's better for the teams, and it's better for Sean Payton. Like, it just is. It makes more sense. Had the Chargers opened up or anything, and people close to that organization have been saying since the very beginning, like, guys, the Chargers have zero history as an organization of, you know, paying dead contracts and giving up draft cap, Like, all the things it would take to get Sean Payton, that organization has absolutely no history of doing so that that was unlikely anyway. And for the Cowboys, who are as good a drafting team as there is in this league, to give up picks made no sense either. So wait a year. I think he'll be the head coach of one of those two teams after next season. It also
3: wouldn't have shocked me one bit if he went and talked to Denver, saw the entire mess that they're in with Russell Wilson, and said, uh, no, peace out. I'm not doing this.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, $25 million a year could probably make things feel a little bit better there but yeah if you if your aspirations to coach a long time in the league don't take that job right now take one of the other ones we'll come back more sports daily we'll get you ready for a thursday on the network all kinds of goodness coming in our last full segment 869 we can take your calls we'll be back Tommy, it's goose season. Do you live in a neighborhood that gets terrorized by geese?
3: Yeah, I do. Uh, and, and real quick, a funny story about that. Uh, our HOA decided that to combat the geese, because we have ponds behind our house, that they were going to put these fake swans in the pond, uh, which is fine, except for the fact that it's Kansas and it gets windy. And so more often than not, the swans are flipped over in the pond. And so it looks like we just have two dead swans floating in our pond. Um, And it really doesn't do a whole lot to get the geese away.
1: Let that be a lesson to the geese of what might happen. Can we just get rid of the geese (laughs) and keep the ducks? Because ducks are amazing, right? Ducks are like the greatest thing of all time. Um, I mean, Tommy, you know what you see when a duck bends over, right? Uh, Tell me. A butt quack?
3: No, okay. Get it? Okay. Thank you, Jed. Get it? Yeah. No, you I get I, that one. I got it. Yeah, I, I, okay. I got it.
1: Uh, yeah, ducks. I, I I let you walk right into that one. Um, yeah. Oh man, that was good. That was great. That was. Really I don't good even stuff. know where did we go see, from there. Did you see last night? Uh, speaking of ridiculous, there was a college basketball game, Loyola Chicago in Duquesne, where. Somebody went onto the court and, like, the announcers bought it, right? Like, is that an Uber Eats guy trying to deliver McDonald's and he's lost? Like, come on now. And then he has got a microphone on and, like, were we that stupid when we were young, Tommy? I think we probably were, right? I think, like— yeah, yeah, this would be a great prank. And I still love great pranks. That's not even that good of a prank, though, because literally nobody's going to believe that an Uber Eats driver really going to try to deliver McDonald's onto a basketball court in the middle of a game.
3: Yeah, there are, uh, and I, you know, working in the world of, of sports and live sporting events and that sort of thing, there are always conversations going on about, you know, creative ways for content in game not only for the fan experience but for people who might be watching it at home or whatever that looks like and especially at the minor league level I don't know about you know college basketball or you know professional major league sports but at the minor league level there are a lot of teams that do things like that pretty regularly to try to get the crowd going or you know they've got plants in the in the crowd that you know might be wearing opposing shirts and they're doing crazy things and um, that's always a conversation. So I always say, if you go to really any kind of sporting event, just make sure that you you know that there could very easily be something like that happening.
1: It's always what is it? If it's good, too good to be true. Then it probably isn't. Yeah. There's you know, if if an Uber Eats driver really did that, it'd be the greatest thing ever. But there's like zero right. chance, right, of that. And happening.
3: And there's you know, like for instance, there's one that you know a lot of teams. Have done and variations of it where you know they they put a plant in the audience uh, and then they they give away like a big screen TV and the mascot is holding the TV but then he drops it on camera and it breaks and everybody's like oh my god and they think it's all real and really it's just a junk TV that you grabbed out of the you know storage. That's and, actually um, a really it, good it's one. content you know like things like that's, that. Or that's got, a good one. You've got a guy that, you know, it dresses up in the opposing team's clothing and he's sitting by himself in the stands and he's eating a big jar of mayonnaise. You know, like just different things like that that just you've got plants I, in the audience. I like and fan experience type things.
1: Yeah, that 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 those are both good ones. Those are both good ones. Uh, re- we didn't hit this yesterday. Real quick. MVP finalists. No surprise. Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, Patrick Mahomes, Jalen Hurts, Justin Jefferson. Uh, I think it's Mahomes this year um this would have been an interesting year for a guy like Justin Jefferson but the reality Tommy is that when we really look at it and you have to and Mahomes, this doesn't happen for him anymore because people are sort of sick of his greatness a little bit nationally I think but when you really look at the fact that he put up some of his best numbers of his career this year based on everything that happened in the offseason it's it is pretty remarkable and 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 It doesn't feel like he just had his most impressive season as a pro, but I think he just had his most impressive season as a pro.
3: I think he did, without question, Um, because you you take away Tyreek Hill and you fill up a wide receiver room with guys that are either unproven or they've had down years and they're coming into Kansas City to try to prove it, Um, and all Mahomes has done is put up his best statistical season of his career. So I I think that without a doubt, it's his most remarkable year as a pro. Uh,
1: On the defensive side, no surprises. Micah Parsons, Nick Bosa, Chris Jones. I can't remember a year where it was pretty clearly a group of three guys, as it is those three guys, to me anyway. Um, It's what we wanted to see for Chris Jones. I don't think you're going to make a case because of what Bosa's done and his numbers, just specifically I don't think you were going to get a case where he's going to win it. I think Bosa will, but it's awesome to see him there being recognized in that way. Um, Chris Jones, you know, finally is starting to feel some of the love. I think he's felt locally across the country here.
3: Yeah. I think that it's going to be Bosa for sure. But if you're looking at the candidacy of the most important player to a defense, I actually do think it's Chris Jones uh, because that defense is average for the most part. And Chris Jones gets them to their ceiling uh and and where nick bosa is on a defense that overall the whole unit is elite and so that's great but if, if if the chiefs didn't have chris jones that defense would be significantly worse so i would i would at least give him most important player to the defense
1: yeah, I, I, I could agree with that. I don't want to hold that against Bosa, but, yeah, I, I could be on board with that. The other one that, that drew my attention was the Offensive Rookie of the Year. I'll be interested to see if Brock Purdy actually gets in there. But Garrett Wilson for the Jets. Brees Hall would have won this award, Tommy. Brees Hall would have won yep. this dadgum award. And that, ah, he, I really, really, really hope we get him back for a full season next year. Um, and that class for the Jets, imagine, just Sauce Gardner who's probably maybe going to win the Defensive Rookie of the Year. Garrett Wilson may win the Offensive Rookie of the Year, and Brees Hall would have won the Offensive Rookie of the Year had he stayed healthy. That is a class for the New York Jets. We'll come back. We'll wrap up this Thursday edition of Sports Daily right after this.
0: The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from
2: the App Store or Google Play. Blockout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.